You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity, Beyond the Wardrobe Edition. This is a special series of episodes wherein Nathan and Ben journey through the enchanted world of children's fantasy literature. What will this journey bring? You'll have to come with us to find out. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Took a couple weeks off, but here we, we are. I'm Nathan, your humble and obedient host, and we've got the preacher who's a teacher of children's fantasy literature right there himself, as you, uh, you well right. know. <laughs> as you well know. Pastor Benjamin J. Solzer. Here I am. Dick is not here, nor will he be here for a little while. He is on a much-needed sabbatical. We're happy for him. But while the cat's away, the mice will play. Isn't that right, Ben? They will play. The rats of Nim might even steal some corn or electricity or something like that. Yeah, they do. Well, me and Ben are tasked with continuing the show in Jake's absence. And we thought about what we might do and what might be fun for us and what might be fun for our listeners. And we thought, hey... What if we did a 10-part or whatever, however many weeks? Jake's basically going to be back in November. So what if we did a 10-part or however many... Sorry, I'll stop stumbling over this. What if we filled up all that space, whatever it is, with reviews of classic children's fantasy literature novels? Sounds awesome. Yeah. That's what we said to e- each other. Uh, it is. Ben was like, what if we did this? And I was like, sounds awesome. And so we're doing it. Now, Ben, what? Why would we do this? It is because of a tweet. Yes. Tweet from your account that I ghost wrote mm-hmm. about children's fantasy literature that's not by authors named Tolkien or Lewis, or at least isn't. Anyway, it right. was, that's basically true. So what else is there, especially if you're a Christian and you don't want trash or just Maybe you don't even want the latest Rick Riordan. I know, I'm sure, that some of our listeners are fans of his novels. I haven't read any of them, but, you know, is there a higher caliber of novel around? Where do you pull from? So, I wrote a list, and it, Did you check it twice? I checked it twice, right. or even three times, or four times, and it became a very popular tweet. Yes, the most popular tweet of anyone in the extended sanity verse ever. Ever. And yeah, I'm looking at it right now. 392 reposts, as we're calling. Which, by the way, have you been saying Twitter? Because we're talking about <sighs> X, my friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. The non-generic social media capital of the world. Yeah, th- 392 retweets. I'll go ahead and do it. 26 quotes, 1,424 likes, and 17,000 plus bookmarks. The only thing that's ever come close is the things that we've talked about on the podcast that have courted controversy before Mm -hmm. the times that trolls have discovered us and come out of their troll caves. That's right. And tried to rack and ruin and all that sort of thing. But yes, yes, this is the most popular thing we've ever done that's been popular for good reasons. Yeah. So we thought, yeah, there is a hunger for children's fantasy. And fantasy of all kinds for good stories, especially with, you know, the Disney regime letting us down again and again and again. It was basically a crummy summer for, for movies, even though yeah, it was. we were excited about it. Over on the Santa Death Movies feed, we were like, yay, Flash. 
Nope, we were wrong. Yeah, but did we eat crow on that one? Yeah. Did you and I both say that Flash was our most anticipated film of the summer? I think so. Is that how much crow? It was a lot of crow. And then Jake it was, was the waiter, was us. the waiter and brought us large servings of yeah. crow. Yeah. Yeah, so there's not a lot of actual good stuff that's actually fun to watch and read out there that's being made right now. I'm I know that's a broad generic statement and there are exceptions to it and i haven't read rick riordan i have not read the wing feather sega which i know a lot of people swear by mm-hmm. i have not I, I did read a boys of blur i've not read 100 covers there's 100 series. of them yeah mm-hmm. so i'm sure good things could be said about many of the things that our christian brothers and sisters are doing out there but they are not on our list no you're familiar we went a little more old school the love is old school so if you grew up with like I did with Scholastic magazines where you could order Lloyd Alexander books or Lois Lowry books or mm-hmm. things like that. Or Ben and I both come from that era, have a nostalgia and love for it. And Ben especially has a deep shelf of books that is in his mind. There you go. That we can talk about. The deep shelf of mind books. Yeah. You also have real shelves full of many real, of these books. Yeah, it's true. There's a fair number of these. Not all of them, but it's probably pretty close. And I love these books. I grew up with these books. Uh, I do not have the extent of extensive love or knowledge of them that uh, Mr. Solzer has, but I do have a fondness for them. We just thought it would be fun to talk about them, fun to talk about the themes, and, yeah, you know, draw out what, what makes a good children's fantasy book so that mm-hmm. maybe some of you can write the next great children's fantasy series that'd be cool with some actual judeo-christian ethics please and thank you as opposed to weird woke stuff because one thing i have tried to do in all of this is i have googled what is the best children's fantasy being written now and it just Mm -hmm. all looks like it's kind of like oh yeah i don't know it's mostly like morgana was a member of a dark traveling circus it feels like about half of them are about covens of witches or Eh, just stuff that draws on the darker side of mythology. and For sure. And it's the same in the world of adult fantasy and sci-fi, which sure. I haven't dipped into recent stuff for a long time. But anytime I look up what's the top fantasy novel right now, it's going to be something woke, something queer, something where women are fighting all with swords. I mean, of course, I know, yes, dear listener, that's been going on for decades. I, I am aware of that, but it's more pointed now. It's it's more annoying. It's more in your face than it ever was. So I always read a review or two of, or not even a review, I just read a, a little blurb about different books, and I think I'm not interested enough mm-hmm. to look at any of these, and it sounds like the content is going to be kind of gross and sexual anyway. So forget about it. Of course, they, <laughs> anyway, that's just what I say in that very say, tone. Forget about it. That's what I say. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the other thing, the thing that I will add to everything you just said is the rank and unfortunate Game of Thronesification of fantasy fiction continues unabated in our culture. And it makes me really sad. You have, I mean, I, I do not like Game of Thrones. I do not like George R. R. Martin's worldview. I do not like obviously the nudity and stuff that attends that television program. I do not think that Christians should watch that television program or probably read those books. But the thing that I 
specifically don't like that's just infected so much of fantasy and sci-fi these days is this like we're gonna subvert these classic fantasy tropes and we're gonna be dark man it's gonna be like it would actually go down it's gonna have the politics and the sex politics of (laughs) what a real medieval society would have and there are no heroes and maybe you'll put your faith in a hero like sean bean but he'll get his head cut off because that's what would really happen and i don't mind some subversiveness and some overturning of tropes and some surprisingness in my storytelling and i don't even mind on occasion an author kind of saying hey Actually, their heroism is a little bit more complicated, or in some circumstances, it's hard to know how to be. Like mm-hmm. that kind of thing can be done well, but these days it is it has become the new dominant cliche. I mean, just the idea that I actually saw a pagan article complaining about this, where they were like, "Man, it's gotten so that all these series just set up heroes only to destroy them, mm-hmm. only to subvert them, only to show that they're." fallen and broken at this point if you just did a straight ahead kind of tolkienian aragorn was a good king kind of thing that would be subversive that would be subversive Mm -hmm. and so in that sense it feels a little subversive to go back to some of these old things and be like oh they have heroes and quests and Mm -hmm. and their own playfulness with the genre and the genre elements but there's not this constant need to just subvert for the sake of of subversion, which is something very dumb that George R. R. Martin, I think, is in particular has to answer for in terms of what's happened to to genre fiction hmm. these days. Yep. Yeah. So, what are some of the books so that people can? So, the first book we're going to do we, the, on the very next episode of the show, you'll hear us talk about Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Yeah, by, by Robert C. O'Brien. Robert C. O'Brien, a book that I had not read, but that Ben was very fond of from his childhood, and we'll have plenty to say about that one. It's a great book. I encourage you to read it. It's a little darker and more melancholic and stuff, and I don't know. We'll talk about it, but yeah. it's interesting and worth reading, I would say. And so we're going to talk about that. Obviously, that was adapted into the Don Bluth, I believe, 1982 or 83 film, The Secret of Nim, mm-hmm. which is arguably a better title. But right. either way... It's an interesting story, and the book, yeah. if you've seen that movie, the book is a decent amount different, actually. Yep, and, quite uh, a bit. And I would say eh, there are things about the movie that are more conventionally satisfying. There are also things about the book that I miss that are not included in the movie. Mm-hmm. In any case, we're going to do that. And uh, what else we got on the lined up if people want to these, – these are very easy books to read along. You know, they're not generally – long i think most um, of them are not yeah most of them are not uh, mm-hmm. mrs frisbee the rats of nim i believe was a six hour or seven hour audiobook i usually listen on two times speed so i only had to give about three plus hours to mm-hmm. actually getting through it um, right so pretty yeah. easy for you to keep up i think if you want to oh yeah and a lot of these books will be quite short most of them I'm looking over this list yeah i mean there's nothing that's very long except well we'll get to that so wizard of oz by L. Frank Baum. So I feel like a lot of people probably have just seen the movie mm-hmm. and not read the book, which is unfortunate because the book is a very different experience. There's no singing. There is a lot more adventure. It's a lot more of a book that like a boy would enjoy mm-hmm. as well as a girl. I mean, you're still Dorothy's the heroine. But you got all these adventures and sort of some action and fun stuff happening and 
puzzles to solve and things. It's in the whole Oz series is very whimsical, adventurous, full of action, full of craziness, full of things that are weird and kind of menacing. And so yeah, the kind of stuff that if you've ever seen the cult classic, The Re- Return to Oz, that movie is a little more in line. Although that, I mean, that movie leans heavily on the creepy factor. Oz is more of a balance of bright colors and creepy stuff and tip it toward the bright color scale, but still, you got some creepy dark adventures and weird things going on at times in Oz. And Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz is, it's not, I wouldn't call it a creepy book, but it's a fun adventure book. As a boy, I I don't think I would have guessed from the movie that it would be something I would have liked, because I never really liked that movie very much growing up. It wasn't, it's not an adventure movie. Maybe it is on paper. Right. Didn't feel like an adventure to me. It's a movie about talented comedians of the era dancing across stages. and That's right. That's, and if you like that sort of thing, wonderful. Yeah. I, I do. I like that movie. But yeah, yeah I probably would like it more now. Yeah. But the book was like, oh, this is a fun adventure story in a fantasy world. And I like this kind of thing. So there you go. Yeah. It's a short book. Looking forward to it. Wizard yeah. of Oz. Never read any of Frank Albaum myself. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there's a lot of Oz books. So, what else? We got we got Edith Nesbitt, Five Children in It. Great British fantasy writer, sort of uh, provided a prototype for a lot of future writers of children's fantasy. Really fun, really witty, really cool. I don't know. Lloyd Alexander, famous American writer of kids' fantasy. Oh, quality varies from book to book. Mm-hmm. Though he's, his prose is fun, always kind of lively. Always has immoral in mind. The problem can be that he's sometimes trite, I would say. Yes. But I do really like The Marvelous Misadventures of Sebastian, which is another quick book, adventure story, just fun stuff. Good kid's book. We got probably the most challenging book in this list, Mm. Diana Wynne-Jones. And you guys on the bookening have done Howl's Moving Castle. That's true. Really enjoyed it, all three of us. Really good. That might be the single, maybe the single best book to start. Good with Diana Wynne Jones. This is not the single best book to start with for at least for younger kids. It's called Hexwood. It is a good deal stranger and darker, and it's just more challenging to figure out what's going on the, in the plot. And I remember loving that as a kid, picking up this book. It just does not, it's one of the Jones's best qualities. She does not really dumb down what she's doing. She does not have to feel like she has to over explain complicated things that are happening. She makes you work for it. Mm. And man, this book is a super fun, super clever fantasy sci-fi romp. I don't want to say anything else about it. It's really fun. And then Total Classic, Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Looking forward to re-engaging with that. Really loved it as a kid. Don't really remember it all that well, though. Like It's been a long time. I think I read those when I was young or had them read to me even maybe when I was really young. So yeah, I have very little context for it. Besides, I mean, I have some images from the Disney movie. I can see like a toad in a car or something like that. Like, yeah, I, I know there's toad hall and there's toad hall, some badger dude. Maybe his name is badger. I, don't I think know. his name is badger. <laughs> his badger and mole and Mr. Toad. Yeah. But I have very little memory of what it is besides the fact that I think I used to love it. So Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've only read it once for some reason. And then we got Edward Eager, 
the book Half Magic. He wrote seven books for kids. He was an American guy, very much took after Edith Nesbitt, sort of modeled what he did on her groups of kids, find something magical. They have these episodic adventures. They learn some fun lessons. He's a charming prose stylist. It's just fun. Mm -hmm. Just well-written, fun kid stuff. We've got Brian Jacques Redwall. Mm. I mean, everyone knows that. Everybody loves Redwall. It'd be fun to go back to. Yeah. It's been a while. We've got, I think it's Alan Garner. I didn't write his first name here. The Weird Stone of Brissengamen. Every every kid's favorite (laughs) favorite book. (laughs) And this one is just something people on the Twitter thread recommended and said, hey, this is sort of another classic-ish book of kids' fantasy. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of it, never heard of this guy. And I'm excited to see if I like it. I don't know much about it. The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle. Mm. Neither of us have read that. No, I know it as a title, and I know it as a thing that's beloved and I think beloved by people that I respect, but I really don't know much about it. Yeah. I think it's got a unicorn. It's got a unicorn, apparently. The last one. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. I'm excited to read that. Don't know much about it. Yeah. And that might take up all of our time. I forget just how many days we're filling. If we have extra time, who knows? Maybe we'll dip a toe into Susan Cooper. A lot of people like the Dark is Rising sure. series. That'd be fun to go back to. There's a very random kid's book. Random because just most people, I don't know, it has a following, but a lot of people don't know it, called Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Time. The author, Jane Louise Curry, has some fans. And uh, I remember her being a lot of fun. But it was a kid. I was a kid when I read it, so... And I feel like there was, oh, yeah, Neverending Story by you, Michael. Is it Indy or something? Yeah. Grew, grew up watching the movie. That's another one I don't know a lot about. I've not seen the movie or, yeah. or the book. Yeah. The book is supposed to be pretty good. Don't, well, don't know. So who knows? We might stick something else random in there. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe Jake will die in a skiing accident, and we'll have to do end up like the mouse in the motorcycle and oh, yeah, like, yeah. all kinds of stuff. There's kind of a lot of mouse books we could go to. Yeah, there are a lot of mouse books. Yeah. We will cover as many as we possibly can. That sounds great. Time. That is interesting. Why are mice such go-to protagonists for children's book and movie creators? Well, they're cute. You have an idea that they're intelligent. It's It instantly puts you in a miniature world that's kind of fun. I don't know. They're an interface between wild animals and domestic animals because they're in your house. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. You can imbue them with heroic qualities, I think, in a way that like a cat sort of has to be sly or crafty or mm-hmm. s- ferocious or so. Like, so, yeah. You can't just make a cat into a straightforward Campbellian hero in the way that you can a mouse, perhaps. Yeah, a mouse is more of an underdog yes. flavor. That's interesting. That is interesting. Well, those are the kinds of interesting connections and things we'll be exploring as we go through this series. And if Joe Biden decides to set all the churches in America on fire, then we'll do an episode on that. But there's <laughs> been a lot <laughs> new to talk about recently. So no. We thought this would be fun. We hope you do too. Yeah, I think it's. I think it'll be fun. I think recently Jake preached to our men's group. He was talking about being creative. Mm-hmm. He's talking about, hey, be a creative dad in your home. Be a creative husband in your home. Make up a game. Make yeah. up a story. That I was remembering how my dad used to make up bedtime stories that he would continue from night to night for my sister and me. And I, I don't remember any of these stories having an ending, but it was fun. He would just make up the next piece, kind of creating the world and the characters and the quest as he went. Yeah. 
we'll talk about this next week, but a lesser-known book by the author of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, his first novel, actually, called The Silver Crown, has that feeling. Like, I was making up this story night after night for my kids. Maybe that's how he wrote it, maybe not. But it right. has that feeling, and it made me think, huh, that could be fun. Make up, I could make up stories for my kids. I bet they'd like that. Yeah, and it's fun to have books that you own and read as a family and Definitely. the sort of, sort of interplay between those worlds and the worlds that you make up. And one one series of books that I've been thinking about this whole time that was very much just a part of the DNA of my childhood, which doesn't belong to this series at all, but Laura Ingalls Wilder, mm. those stories, the Little House of the Big Woods and Little House on the Prairie and stuff yeah. like that were just so formative in terms of just, I don't know, my understanding of the world and stuff like that. And many books like this. I mean, I used to read the Red Wall series. They, those things really bog down at a certain point and become very mm -hmm. repetitive with mm -hmm. the same character archetypes and stuff like that. But there's just any number of things that just formed part of the character of our home. In a good way, I think. And that was something that Jake was talking about at that men's night that I think was inspiring for all of us was just, hey, you should don't, I think he said, don't outsource your entertainment or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. like you are like, like we all complain about Disney because we all think we just have to kind of accept whatever swill they give to us. But that's not true. We have thousands of years worth of entertainment options like these books to draw on and we have our own imaginations and as fathers we can create the culture of our homes and yeah so maybe think about it that way have that kind of paradigm in your mind as we talk about this anything else to say about this list ben i don't think so which book are you most excited to revisit or to visit that's a hard question non re it's a hard question i might have said mrs frisbee and the rats of nim that's that's probably the top one or two and i did just finish listening to that but I think it's Hexwood by Diana Wynne-Jones. I'm coming to do a lot of these for the first time, so I, do, I cannot speak about revisiting. I mean, Redwall, I'll be revisiting for the first time in years and years, and that'll mm -hmm. be fun. But we shall see. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to find out about Wizard of Oz, finally. The only things I know about th through are the various movies and and stupid pop culture things that have come out of them, like Wicked or right. The Wiz or these weird derivative <laughs> things. There's a lot of those things. Ah, yeah, that, that dumb Sam Raimi, James Franco movie. Never saw that. It's terrible, terrible. Yeah. Missed, wasted opportunity. Yes, wasted opportunity. And it's just like, it's weird because people like to play in that world. P people key off of the MG MGM film and then they want to do something that's Oz related, but they don't ever... Just go to the Frank Calbon books. I don't know. It's like the MGM movie has so thoroughly devoured everyone's idea of yeah of what those books are. Like yeah. like you'd think just Netflix would be like now we are doing the Wizard of Oz adaptation series. Seems like easy pickings. It does. It's kind of odd. But every time it's always like it's a newfangled thing from the witch's point of view or something like that. So anyway, I'm excited about That's that. Too bad. Excited about Wind in the Willows. Excited about all of it, really. Excited for Diana Wynne-Jones. I love Howl's Moving Castle and she's a very talented authoress. So mm -hmm. excited for that. I hope you'll join us, listener. I hope you'll listen to the podcast no matter what because it's fun to listen to podcasts even when you haven't read the book. That's my opinion on Agreed. the matter. 
but I think you'll get even more out of it if you do read the book, which in most of these cases should be easy. They're Red, short. Redwall might be a little longer, actually. I've that stuck out to me as uh, yeah, something you know, I at least remember right. as being. You're right. Redwall, Hexwood, those are our longer ones. I actually don't know how long the Weird Stone of Brisson Gaiman is, but I kind of I doubt it's that long. What do I know? Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred pages. Jump change. Jump change. Yeah, an afternoon has been an afternoon. Right. All right. Well, are we going to use the same stay sane moniker or? I haven't thought about that. Yeah, me neither. But the time is coming. You can go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity to support this podcast. I don't know, but I'm going to leave it to you. I'm going to say until next time, and then you can say whatever you want. It could be stay weird. It's going to be like stay fantastic or stay something. Stay fantastic. Yeah. All right. I, you know, I'm just going to talk into this microphone, give you a second to think. How you doing, folks? Just ta- Just fill in space. While Ben thinks, it's an interesting thing to watch Ben think. His eyes glaze over. He's not able to use any of his other motor functions. He actually just flops to the ground, like his his uh, <laughs> his muscles stop working. Like he drools. Yeah, he drools in order to like really use his massive brain. Which let's be clear, is an amazing specimen of a brain. But he's got to like divert all power to the brain, and so he just kind of flops around like a fish on, glub, glub, glub. <laughs> on the ground, which is what he's doing right now. Um, and that's all I can say. I think I've given him enough time, though. I think he's he's crawling back up to the microphone. He's activating the other parts of his synapses. I bet he came up with something really cool and special for this really cool and special series. And so, until next time. Stay fantastic. Stay fantastic. (laughs) 